0: Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. We'll get there in just a moment or two. The notes uh, for all the messages are on the app, the front page of the church app. You'll see a button that says Sermon Sermon Notes. You can pop that up and then go to today's date and you'll find the notes for this message as well as all the notes for Wednesday night under the Gospel of Mark right there on the front page of the app. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes, this weekend, next week, what life would look like if there was no resurrection. If Christ was still in the tomb, like Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, others, what would life look like for you and I? Maybe you heard the story about the blonde that was on the airplane. Beautiful, beautiful. The guy came in and sat down beside her. And when he did, he just started chit-chatting with her. And after a few minutes, he finally said, so what do you like in men? And she said, oh, I love Native American men. I love their high cheekbones. I love their rugged features. I love their bronze skin. Then she said, and I love Jewish men. I love their intellect. I love their gift." Finances. I just love Jewish men. And then she said, and I love Southern men. I love that deep accent, that slow drawl. I love their charm and their politeness. The guy looked at her and he said, well, I should have introduced myself earlier. My name is Geronimo Bernstein, but my friends all call me Bubba. what would happen if there was no resurrection? We might miss the most important thing. And somebody might call you Bubba. Look with me to the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. They're on the screen as well. Now, if Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Interesting, isn't it, that Less than fifty years after Christ's resurrection, already there are people teaching heresy, trying to convince the church in Corinth that he never rose from the dead. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we found false. Wit- we are found false witnesses of God. Because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then also those who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men And I like the King James word here. We are of all men most miserable. Father, would you add your anointing to the preaching of your word. Open our hearts, open our minds. Make us receptive to what you want us to hear today. And not only that we receive it, but that the power of the word bring change to our lives. We ask it in your name. Amen. You know, I believe we're living in an age of the church where many are more concerned about making people feel at home, making people feel at ease, making people feel like we accept everything than we are about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, this is the crux of the gospel. You can't get away from it. Without this, there is no gospel. There is no good news. Jesus died, and on the third day, he rose again. And if that's not palatable, if that's not acceptable, if that doesn't find its way through your thinking into your heart, something's wrong with you. The crux of the gospel is Jesus died and rose again. Without the resurrection, we are hopeless and helpless. Without the resurrection, we can come to buildings like this, and we call it church, but in fact, it's not the church without the resurrection. It's simply another club. The habits rules, regulations, requirements for membership in that club. None of them bring change to our lives or power to our daily being. So many times I think that without the resurrection, we need to understand we would be easily deceived because Holy Spirit is not here to guide us in all truth. Without the resurrection, all we have is religion trying to peddle what they think you want or need and not giving us living water. Matter of fact, we don't get living water without the resurrection. We get that old brackish stuff. that has been sitting in a mud hole for weeks. That's full of bugs and all kinds of other trash. And when we try to drink it, it just makes us sick. But Jesus said, I am the living water. And if you taste of me, you will come to know me in a new dimension, a new reality. And you will come to know life eternal. Without the resurrection, he isn't the bread of life. All we get are some old, dry, leftover crumbs that were left in the bag for weeks. Nasty. Don't even want to eat it. No nourishment. But with the resurrection, we receive the bread of life, whereby we find strength and courage and the ability to carry on and follow him. Without the resurrection, we preach a gospel of self-help. We preach a gospel of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We preach a gospel that is covered and shrouded in all the trappings of the modern church. Yeah, we have the lights. Yeah, we have the smoke. But do we have the power of the living God? Do we understand it's the resurrection that makes the church the church, not the things that are pleasing to us ascetically? It's the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we find ourselves preaching pop psychology. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. When in fact, we're all damned to hell. None of us are okay. Without the resurrection, without the resurrection, we move preachers out of the way because preaching isn't comfortable and we hire motivational speakers. We hire financial gurus. We hire shysters who use the gospel to their own advantage and their own personal gain. Without the gospel, without the resurrection, We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We've been tried and found guilty. We have no hope, no life, no future. We're living in darkness, slaves to a cruel taskmaster, without the resurrection. Our world is dominated by life and death. Every day, people are born and people die. Every day, people face eternity without the resurrection It's not a pretty picture. When we think about life and death, we have to recognize that in different cultures and people groups throughout history, there are folks who have many different ideas about what happens when we die. The Jews thought that the soul was the body breathing. They were combined. They were together. You've heard the term SOS? It actually comes from a Hebrew Jewish tradition and wordage, which simply means save our souls. But in reality, it meant save our bodies, SOS. In the Greek church, which Corinth was in Greece, if you're not aware of that, it was inundated by Greek philosophy, by culture, by the gods of Greek, the Greek gods, and in their thinking, there was a separation between the physical and the spiritual. They placed high demand on the spiritual and none on the physical. Greek philosophers taught that just like a prisoner is in a cell, so the body is the prison of the soul, and death is what sets the soul free. But when you really look at what they believed, they really believed that once you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Nothing more, nothing else. The body is useless. Once it dies, it remains dead. Kind of like you and I taking a banana and peeling it and discarding the peel and eating the banana. That's the way they saw it. When Paul preached the resurrection to Athens, another Greek city, it says in Acts 17, 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. And people are laughing yet today. To the Greeks, the body was the source of weakness and wickedness. And because they saw it that way, then the resurrection had absolutely no connection in their mind and in their spirit. So when we're reading 1 Corinthians 15, we understand who Paul is writing to. He's writing to a group of believers who have been redeemed, bought out of this culture that's heathenistic at the best. Absolutely and totally corrupt as well. So, I want to ask you this morning what would your life look like without the resurrection? How would things be different without the resurrection? Without the resurrection, would you be a thief, an adulterer, a liar, a drunk, an addict? Would you be bouncing from relationship to relationship, never finding satisfaction? Without the resurrection, would you always be following for the wrong things and missing the right things? Without the resurrection, your troubles would be permanent. Without the resurrection, your peace would be temporary. Without the resurrection, your life would be filled with doubts and defeat. Without the resurrection, rebellion and stubbornness become your character. May I just take a moment and pause here. Listen, if you want to live in rebellion, I can't stop you, but I'm not coming to your party. If you want to live in stubbornness, I can't keep you from it, but I will not be sucked into your mess. It's time for believers to stand up and say, we don't live that way. We understand that's not what God's people are. Without the resurrection, death would be final. And without the resurrection, Satan would still be the prince of this earth, the power of the air. In just a few moments, there are going to be some people who come to the platform. They're all holding a sign. These signs don't in any way intimate that that's what this person is. They're just helping me out. So think about it for a minute. Imagine this in your life. Without the resurrection, you would be an emotional mess. You would be turned inside out all the time. Anxiety would never leave regardless of the amount of drugs and therapy you had. Anger would never be quenched. No matter how much we tried to counsel and pray for you, it would rage within you like a maniac. Destroying everything around you. Hatred would never go away. I know what they did to me, and I'm not going to give them that chance again. And yes, by golly, I hate them. Without the resurrection, bitterness becomes your constant compassion. Without the resurrection, your most famous phrase is, if only. Because you're looking back all the time. See, in John chapter 11, Jesus got a message that his good friend Lazarus was sick. His sister sent the message thinking the teacher would come and he would heal him. But the teacher didn't come. He waited two days before he started toward Bethany. And then when he got there, he found out Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And Martha met him. And she said to him, oh, teacher... If only you would have been here, if only you would have come, if only you would have shown up, if only, then things would be different. When you read John chapter 11, it says, Martha then went back and told her sister Mary, the teacher was here and Mary went out to meet him and she said the exact same thing, if only, if only. Folks, when you're living in that if only moment actually it becomes a lifestyle and a lifetime because you don't allow the power of the resurrection to bring you out of an emotional mess and set you free. Stop saying if only. There are so many things we wish we could do over, but we can't. You need to start today and live life in the power of the resurrection. You need to forgive Listen to me, if you don't forgive, you will always be an emotional mess. You need to let God to reconcile and restore, because until he heals your heart and removes the sting of that offense, you will always be an emotional mess. Never changes, if only. Without the resurrection, you would be sick and diseased for the entirety of your life. Mark chapter 5, and we're in Mark on Wednesday night. You should be here. It's a great study, not because I'm teaching it, because the Word is alive. Mark chapter 5 tells the story of a woman who had been sick for 12 years that said she spent everything she had and was none the better. But when she heard that Jesus was coming, she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. You know the story, Right? It's so well illustrated in this moment. It shows us we don't have to stay in our sickness and our disease. There is an answer. There is a healer. There is a way out. And his name is Jesus. The Bible says that he was walking to do another miracle because Jairus, one of the elders in the synagogue, his daughter was sick. So he's going to her house, his house to heal her. And they're in procession, he's thronged by people, crowds of people all around him. And all of a sudden, that woman who'd been sick for 12 years managed to push her way through that crowd and touch his garment, touch his clothes. And when she did, the Bible says she knew that immediately she was made whole. And Jesus knew immediately that healing virtue had left him. And he stopped. And he said, who touched me? The disciples looked around and said, what are you talking about? There are hundreds of people around you. Lots of people touched you. No, I felt the virtue leave. And then it says he scanned the crowd. And he saw the woman. He saw the one that said, I'm not going to live like this anymore. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be whole." Well, I'm talking to somebody in this room this morning. You need to hear it. If you can just touch him, he will make you whole today. He can heal you just as he did that. When we didn't speak to her, he didn't pray for her. He didn't lay hands on her. But her faith activated the miracle of healing in her body. You don't have to stay in your sickness and your disease. There is a way out. Without the resurrection, though, your life is going to be one of constant doctor's appointments, medications. And when you don't find help, you know what happens? I'm going to tell you what happens. You resort to the kingdom of darkness and you start consulting psychics and shamans and witch doctors. And you go further and further down the slope to your own physical demise because Satan will not let you free. Only Jesus can do that. without the resurrection, your chains would never be broken. You would always be an addict. You would always be bound without the resurrection. And there's a lot of chains that attach themselves to us, folks. It's not just addiction to drugs or alcohol. There are chains that attach themselves to us in all kinds of ways. Throughout our entire life, emotional change, financial change, physical change, people change that keep us bound and never set free. Same passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 5, tells the story of Jesus landing in the land of the Gadarenes. And a demonic came out of the graveyard to meet him, calling him, the demons calling him, the son of the most high God. They recognized him, they knew him. The Bible says that when the man came to him, he was naked. He had been bound by chains from the people of the village. They had tried everything to change this guy's life and nothing happened. They'd chain him up and he'd break the chains. He continued to rage and ravage and scare the folks to death. But when Jesus came, something different occurred. When Jesus came, he fell at his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. Then he said, what's your name? And the devil's in him said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And Jesus said, come out of him. It went, and he ordered them go into the swine. They destroyed the swine. The news went to the city. And when the news went into the city, you know what happened? They came out, and they saw the demonic, the man they couldn't tame, clothed in his right mind, talking to Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning, chains can be broken. You don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be a drug addict. You can go to every 12-step program in the world and you're still going to be bound because that's the way they teach you. But I've come to tell you this morning about a Jesus who doesn't label you with labels from your past, but he gives you a new name and a new future and a new home and a new way. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be caught up in porn. You don't have to be caught up stealing, cheating on your spouse, lying to your family, living a devil life. That does not have to be your lot. Without the resurrection, you will never have a normal relationship with the opposite sex. You'll bounce from pillar to post, house to house, home to home. Man or woman to man or woman. You'll bounce around never understanding it. You will never understand God's perfect plan of one man and one woman. You'll be looking for satisfaction and fulfillment. Someone of the same sex. You'll be looking at satisfaction and fulfillment with someone who's not your spouse. You'll find yourself bouncing here and there again and again and again. John chapter 4. Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. He had an appointment there with a lady who desperately needed his help. He was sitting outside the city of Sychar at Jacob's well. His disciples went into the city to buy them something for lunch. And a woman approached, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus said to her, would you give me a drink? You know what she said? How is it that you being a Jew would ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water? We don't associate with one another. We don't like one another. We have way too much history to be having this conversation. That's what she's saying. And Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink of the living water. And that opened a discourse and a dialogue. Where he began to tell her who he was and what he could do in her life. And then he said, go call your husband. You know what she said? She said, I have no husband. He said, you've spoken right. Because you've had five already. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. But he said, I want to tell you, I can heal your broken relationships. I can heal that place in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit that's craving something that will never be satisfied and never be fulfilled by another human individual. It can only be filled by the son of the living God. She said, you are the Christ. And then she went back into the city and she told all, I think it's interesting But it speaks of her relations. She told all the men of the city, come and see the man who's told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? The Bible says they went out and they listened and they heard. And many believed because of her word. They asked him to stay and he stayed two more days. And at the end of two days they said, we first believed because of what she said. But now we believe because of what you said. Listen, somebody's been speaking to you for a long time. Telling you there is a better way. You don't have to live the way you're living now. All you have to do is take their advice, heed their word. And when you do, the son of the living God is going to step into your life and break that chain of relationships and emotional bondage off your life. See, without the resurrection, we would be slaves to money, to finances. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot or if you have very little. If we don't get that improper perspective, we are enslaved and controlled by money and finances. The young man came to Jesus. You know the story of the rich young lures, Mark t- chapter 10. And he said, Master, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well... Obey the commandments. Honor your father and mother, etc. Cetera, et cetera, He said, these have I done since I was a boy. And then Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And he went away because he had great possessions. What's that story tell us? That story tells us that that man was controlled by money. He didn't have control of it. It had control of him. It was bound by what he had, and he couldn't let it go to find what he needed. Oh, hear me today. Some of you are bound by what you have, and you need to let it go to find what you need. It's a life-giving presence of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, you will always be a loser. You will never land on top. You'll never come out in victory without the resurrection. In writing to the Corinthians, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 9 and 10, I am the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. But then he says, I am what I am today by the grace of Jesus Christ. Oh, I've come to tell you this morning, you don't have to be second best. You don't have to be a loser. You don't have to be the doormat. Because when you come to Jesus Christ, he will renew you. He will change you. He will fill you with confidence and purpose and peace and give you the courage and the strength to move where you've never been to see what you've never seen. You don't have to be a loser. By the grace of God, he said, I am what I am. What's killing Christians, locking them up, beating them, persecuting, tormenting them, and now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, without the resurrection, right here, this is where you stay. You'll never move out of that seat. Nothing will ever change in your life without the power of a resurrected Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you try or where you go. You'll never break out of that position. You will never change your nature. You will be what you are, and what you are is what you will always be without the resurrection. You see, who you are sitting in these seats is a product of where you've been. And I'm challenging you today. Try a different path. What you've tried doesn't work. Tom, come back, please. What you've tried hasn't worked. Try a different path. If you stay in these seats, there's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no help. There's no favor. All that is coming down the pike is judgment and condemnation without the resurrection. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Could it be that as these six individuals have taken a seat and held up their sign that you identified with one of those or maybe several this is what i'm asking you to do this morning if you see yourself sitting in one of these six seats i want you to step out and stand right in front of that seat and in just a moment The power of God is going to fall on you and what has held you, what has kept you, what has imprisoned you is going to be broken off of you by Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord and Savior, showing up in this moment and setting you free. What are you waiting on? If you see yourself, come. Don't wait for anyone else. Stand in front of that sign. This is not to embarrass you. This is to help you. This is not to speak ill of you. This is to give you the hand up that you've been looking for through the power of Jesus Christ. As you're coming, I'm not going to leave you standing in this place dealing with these issues. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. I want you to hear what Jesus said. I want you to hear what Paul said. I want you to understand that Jesus never left a funeral as he came. He interrupted every one of them. He brought life to everyone. The son of the widow of Nain, Lazarus, Jairus's daughter, every one of them came to life when Jesus came to the funeral. Listen to these words. Come on, keep coming. I know this isn't for a handful, this word was for many. Don't let pride keep you in that seat. Don't let shame keep you in that seat. Don't let the devil win again today been happening again and again and again for months and months and you refuse to humble yourself just step out and come stand in front of these chairs see because this is the good news romans eight eleven. paul wrote it this way yes god raised jesus to life and since god the spirit of resurrection lives in you he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathed life into you Ephesians chapter one, verses 19 and 20. Paul wrote it this way. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement. I love that statement. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in you today. Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 and 15. He talks about the defeat of Satan. And he says it this way, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Did you hear that? He came to destroy the one that holds you in fear. He came to set you free. The power of the resurrection is not mumbo jumbo. It's not religious rhetoric. It is the power of God flowing into your life and mine. Colossians chapter two, verses 13 through 15. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, does anybody hear that statement? Does that resonate with anyone? When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. But God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. The old arrests weren't canceled. Nailed to Christ's cross he stripped all spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them I love this, marched them naked through the streets 2 Corinthians 15 2 Corinthians 2 15 and 16 we have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the one anointed to God a perfume of life to those being saved and the odor of death to those who are piercing unbelievers smell a deadly stench that leads to death but believers smell the life-giving aroma that leads to abundant life are you here this morning can you smell the life-giving aroma Do you want to encounter the one who has already defeated your worst enemy and set you free from every sin? Do you want to see the one who can cancel what may be your future and give you a whole new life? The altars are still open. Tom, I don't know what you're playing, but sing it out. And I encourage you to come. In just a moment, we're going to pray for these standing here. But I encourage you to come. Don't wait. Don't hold back. There's no shame in saying, God, I need some help. You know, at one point in my life, I've seen myself in every one of these situations, every single one. And it doesn't matter how righteous you think you are, how holy you think you are, there's a very real enemy trying to destroy you and you need resurrection power to make it through what you're going through. Come. As Tom sings, step out and come. Don't wait. Come. It's your moment. You made it to the end of the message and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sherer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more.